Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. Hi everybody, Chris Gathered here. Welcome to New Jersey is the World. Very excited for you to hear this episode of Wotown, including a a story I haven't thought about in many years that uh, brought back all the humiliation and shame of when it happened. Speaking of humiliation and shame, thanks to everybody who came out to our first ever live shows at the House of Independence at Asbury Park. Thank you to the venue. Thank you to everybody who showed up. We sold out both those bad boys. It was so nice to meet so many of you. Uh, we, we, had a, we didn't even announce this. We had uh, some posters that we gave half price to the $5 tier patrons and free to the $10 tier patrons because we love you. It was nice to meet you, put some faces to some names. And I even want to thank the people from the second show who mercilessly booed us off stage to end the show. Uh, legitimately, I lost control of the show. We were viciously booed until we just kind of wandered off in defeat. It's all because I called Taylor Ham by its correct name, Taylor Ham. And what the second crowd didn't know was that happened shortly after midnight. So that was the first thing that happened to me on my birthday. Thank you, Asbury Park. Mention the patron Patreon before. You can also support the show by buying t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash chrisgethard. But I tell you, this Patreon, it's getting really, really fun. There's a lot of discussion on the episodes. The Mafia episode, an explosion of discussion. just want to point out a couple comments I really loved. Like Kelly, who says, My Italian grandfather was a surgeon in Clifton. He took a lot of bullets out of people who visited his house to see, quote, the doctor. As a result, the family always had season tickets to the Knicks and Yankees. Uh, Steve, he might hear more from later down the line on this show. No spoilers. Talks about bartending in West Orange and going to an after-hours club where he was cleaning up at poker. This was down at Orange. And, quote, after an hour or so, the person who took me to the club whispers in my ear to immediately lose all my money. First, I brush him off. After a few more hands, I realize he may know more than me and lose on purpose. We leave the club. He starts screaming that I almost got us both killed as I was beating a, munch, a bunch of made men and notorious New Jersey mobsters in cards. Craziest part was I thought everyone had stories like this till I started telling them to non-New Jersey people. That, that about sums up the tenor of this whole project. So does this next episode. Uh, it was Mike D's idea. It was really out of the box. And I got to say, we are North Jersey people. So we're going to talk about class trips and, and specifically class trips that we took. And I bet a lot of North Jersey people, especially from the Essex County area, will have some shared experiences. But this, as much as any episode we've ever done, we do not want to leave you out. 973-780-4660. Let us know about the places you went on your class trips, how many times you went there, all the strange things that happened. I could envision us doing an entire follow-up voicemail-only episode on this, so don't be shy. 973-780-4660. Enjoy it. There must be something in the water in West Orange. I preach such avant-garde kids are going to start shit. In parks where we spit arson as sparks flips Essex County, America's armpit Carnival Oh boy, that flea market I bought a crossbow there And I imagine it was sort of a Two Roman legions charging at each other uh, Intertown fighting Some people have been there in the middle of the night To whip pumas with belts The last time I got in a fist fight I threw a carton of Clinton's orangeade at a man's face I'm gonna take it to this terrible crime-ridden city And then I'm gonna pull my pants what? down on it No, I've never had a hoodie in my life or a grinder. This is like a weird vortex that doesn't apply to the laws of time and space. <laughs>
Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wotown. The W stands for West. The O is for Orange, not Orange, Orange. And it's a town where your three hosts grew up together. Mike D, how are you this evening? Feeling sad, thinking about a lifetime of being scammed on our on our topic that we're going to talk about tonight. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> it is an emotional outline Ugh. to write. Nikki Bonaduce, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good. It's uh, it's uh, you know. We're hanging out, but yeah, weird, a weird topic. I think it was just never really into it and something strange would always occur. So it's emotional ups and downs. Well, let's, uh, let's do Cause I'm sure everybody's going with, with all, all this stuff we've talked about starting in the beginning of like people getting beheaded at amusement parks. Episode one, people are probably going, what is it that's making these three guys have this weird emotional hesitancy? Uh, before we get into this, I know that there's been some people along the way that are like, you guys focus too much on North Jersey. And look, the th- look, we grew up in North Jersey, all right? That's the whole premise of the show. We grew up together. I want to say this may be more than any topic we've ever done. I know that there are Central Jersey people that are going to have their own stories. South Jersey people are going to have their own versions of this. North Jersey people, I have a feeling, are going to be jumping for joy. Mike, you're the one who came up with this idea. And as soon as you said it, I went, oh my God, that is brilliant. It is class trips. And as soon as you said it, I went ding, 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 because the class trips we went on were so specific. And I have to imagine there's going to be people from all over North Jersey who hear this, who go, oh my God, we all were going to the same janky ass places. So before we even get into it, I want to say Central Jersey, South Jersey, we are not trying to leave you out of this one. It's just that we have the frame of reference that we have. But please, I want to do a follow-up episode that's just hearing about all the places you guys went to constantly on your class trips. Oh, my God, uh, yeah. Because ours were... I mean, Mike, you you put together the outline, and as I was going through it, I'm going, oh, at, at like a solid 75% of the places you listed, I'm like, yep, been there, yep, been there, uh, for sure. I think, too... This is, we'll talk about New Jersey, but I know from going through life in all these years that I have met many people from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, as far away as Vermont, who as school children were dragged to these places as well. So I feel that this is, if you grew up anywhere on the East Coast, I think there's a very high chance that you were subject to the class trip racket of these places. The, the racketeering of class trips. It is an absolute racket as we all, we all were like, oh, like there was basically a text thread and we'll get into this more, but where it was brought up, none of the, looking back on it, <laughs> many of these places, clearly their sole business model was shepherding confused children through their, their rickety, dusty, mothball-smelling halls. Like, this was the only money they made was children shuffling through. I mean, there was occasional... You know, we can divide this into two categories. There'll be the places that we're going to talk about, which are rackets, death traps. And then there's another smaller category where occasionally, as kids, we'd go to a really good class trip, like, you know, we'd go to the Met or a place like that, like a legitimate museum. But mostly we went to these awful places, which one, I think they were completely dangerous and unsafe. 
two, like you said, Chris, they only existed to siphon field trip money from parents in an organized way. And three, I can't confirm this, but I'm absolutely certain that both schools, teachers, and school bus companies received kickbacks for bringing kids to these places. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. I'm certain of it. Yeah. Like, like, uh, like a taxi, it, like when you go, when you land in a foreign country and a taxi driver's like, we're going to go to this. I went, me and Hallie went to the Dominican Republic and this guy was like, I'll take you on a tour of the city. And then he kept going, we got to go to this one great restaurant for lunch. We got to go to this one great restaurant. And it was the worst restaurant I've ever eaten at. And he got a free lunch. And I'm like, oh, he does this every day. Uh, this is what he does. It's a, a similar business model uh, with New Jersey class trip locations. Now, the big one. When you're talking West Orange, you're talking class trips. I actually realized in doing this episode, I bet there are many, many people in New Jersey where the first time they ever crossed into the borders of our hometown of West Orange was on a class trip to go to the Edison National Historic Site. I would bet money there's a lot of people where that's the first time they ever heard of West Orange and came there. The Block Mariah. It was the first time they came to West Orange, not in the trunk of a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not on their way from one town to the other while their parents were speeding to get it over with quick. The Edison National Historic Site, Thomas Edison is, I would say, by far the most famous resident of West Orange, New Jersey of all time. Hmm. Uh, he's the, debatable. The Wizard of Menlo Park. He's the Wizard of Menlo Park uh, as his nickname, but he actually spent a lot of his life at his laboratory in West Orange. And there's a national museum there, and it's a historic site. And you might think that if something's a national historic site, that means that it would be very nice. Uh, but maybe, Nick and Mike, you can describe the physical appearance of this part of West Orange, New Jersey, especially during our childhoods. Ugh. The the factories themselves, like you said, um, you know, you had uh, your offices over there, and there was a lot of like uh, industry still in those buildings, which was interesting. But um, yeah, it was just uh, it was Main Street and West Orange, and I don't know, it, it had character. And there was a few run. And there was uh, what else was close by the Llewellyn Hotel? Oh God, the new Llewellyn Hotel. Like uh, there was, <clears throat> there was also. A couple notorious, extremely sketchy towny bars. Yes, that were directly ad- adjacent to to the Edison Historic Site. Which, as a kid on a class trip, you would have to drive by these bars, and while you're unloading off the bus and parking, you would, you know, see the the local town bar flies out at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, you know, heckling children as they went into the museum. Yeah. Asking them for money. And and about a block behind, if you went to the, if you went to the backside of the museum and walked about a block. Go to Spanky's. You would very quickly come upon Spanky's, West Orange's notorious strip club. Oh my God. One strip club in the whole town. It was called Spanky's. And uh, was it West Orange or was it Orange there? You're like right on that. That was West Orange, right on the border. That's still West Orange there. Right on the edge of Watchung Ave. Oh, and there were, I mean, I, there were rumors about kids we went to high school with going there and getting hand jobs. High school. You remember who I'm talking about, don't you? His first name is the most specific name in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about here. Um, 10% of this facility was a fixed up historic site. It's like nicer red bricks in the courtyard outside of it was the Black Mariah, which was, you know, they say Edison, quote unquote, invented 
uh, motion pictures. Now, a lot of people say Thomas Edison invented very little and just sort of coordinated teams of people that invented him who should get credit. But replica of the Black Mariah movie-making machine outside. Just, just take it all away from him, why don't you? Jeez. Well, this is what people say, man. I got to bring it up. And then the little museum part was like a nice building. And then the other 90% of this facility at the time was horrific, haunted-looking abandoned factories. And this was where we were brought on our clash trips. Mm. The way the, the trip would work was you would go to... And actually, now this is a... A national park, right? It's a national park site. It's actually really nice and really well run now. I've been there recently. It's all fixed up. But at the time, I don't know if it was a national park because I don't believe rangers gave you a tour. But you, it you always know, you has would, been. I'm almost positive. It, it was. I, I can't remember them being rangers. I think so, yeah. Because I got yelled at for stealing a cigar off of, like, when you go through Edison's, like, little study. And they had like this whole mock-up with like his desk there and they have an ashtray with a cigar in it that, you know, was partially smoked and like little gadgets. And I was like, I remember the ranger turning around and I grabbed a cigar and like, <laughs> turned around and saw me grabbing a the cigar. They were like, put that back on the table. Cigar. <laughs> but yeah, they were. <laughs> that was once in Thomas Edison's mouth, you fool. <laughs> that's what I was, that was the thing. I was like, this is Thomas Edison's actual cigar. I'm going to go home and smoke it. And I was like. Nine. <laughs> so, Mike, tell me about your seventh grade trip there, because it sounds like you you had a classmate who uh, put on a real show. We we went to the Edison Museum on a seventh grade trip, and you would go, and you would basically have a ten minute tour of this facility, and they would be, here's the first light bulb. Here's a bunch of rusty old tools that Thomas Edison used. Here's a couple inspirational quotes. Here's 11 seconds of film from one of the first movies. Yeah, they would have that flip box thing. They'd also have the the laboratory with like they'd run the belts. Like if you're over there when they were actually like running all the belts in the machines, that was pretty cool. No, that part was cool. And then yeah, but after that, <clears throat> after that 10 minute tour, what happened is they were like, okay, the field trip's gonna go on for uh, two and a half hours, kids. Enjoy. <laughs> yourselves here so they would let loose you know 97th grade kids who are out of their gourd to roam this abandoned factory and if i remember this nothing was cleaned up the place was still filled with chemicals machinery oh yeah there's bottles everywhere it's like if the workers just like were like gone for the day and didn't put away their tools that's what it looks like when you go <laughs> yeah. in there and so you could roam around they're like what the fuck is like yeah and that's what is appealing that's why i started taking things but. <laughs> and everybody was everybody was taking things that was i remember there was a kid on the trip and you know and when the trip ended we got on the bus and he's gonna be like every hey guys look at this look at this and he starts reaching into his pockets and just pulling out handfuls of chemicals that he'd stolen from the lab. Like he walked around, they had all these glass jars yeah. and he was just walking around scooping chemicals with his bare hands into the pockets of his jeans. And then as we're leaving, you know, when we're back on the bus, he's showing everybody we stole and who knows what that stuff was. But there was no person to tell you like. And kids, please don't reach into any of the glass jars of chemicals and take them home with you because that wouldn't be good. We know many of you have grown up on super fun sites, but this is, you know, okay. Do you also remember the actual guy? He was like a West Orange institution that like he always dressed as Thomas Edison. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, and when every time you go on a, on a school trip there, he would like pop out in like his crazy tweed, like 
jacket and like with his big eyebrows, like and he he like kind of had gotten to the point where he was so old he didn't look like Thomas Edison anymore. He just looked like shit. (laughs) (laughs) He probably like lost his mind, but they're like, he just, we just keep him in the study. And the one time we're there and I remember I'm like the same time when I almost got yelled at for taking the scar, he was coming down this little staircase. that's in the back of the study. And they're like, Whoa, like all of a sudden you saw Thomas Edison, like coming down these like stairs, like while you're walking through this one part of the exhibit, like, and you go to his library. My favorite example of why this is such a West Orange place and a racket is so they have the Black Mariah, which is a, a recreation of the first film studio. And it's basically a, a tar paper shack on a wooden track. And they would wheel it around in a circle because, you know, this was, I guess, before he invented the light bulb. To capture light. I thought it could also be put on like a railroad track too, though, right? It could actually be like. Yeah, they could wheel it on. They could move it around on a track. Right. And so they would open this. So they take us out to this tar paper shack and they're like, oh, this is where motion (laughs) pictures are invented. And, you know, and they're saying it's on a track and it could move. You see to get the best sunlight. So they walk us around to the back of the Black Mariah. And this is, you know, 70 seventh graders we're all standing there we get around to the back of it and the tour guide's like and see and right in front of the tour guide is a disemboweled dog (laughs) there's a dog laying right behind oh my god right behind the black mariah that's clearly been torn apart by some animal like guts flying out you know everywhere all over the ground and it stinks and of course every kid in the class starts freaking out and like a few kids think it's funny and are staring at it but most of us were just Appalled, and the tour guide just kind of shrugged it off. Like I could tell, it wasn't the first time he found a disemboweled animal behind the Black Mariah. We should also be clear that we mentioned before it was on Main Street in West Orange, and the Black Mariah in particular. You're in this fenced-in pen with all these other kids, but Main Street in West Orange, especially in the '90s, was a a really grim environment. So Nick mentioned this place called the new Llewellyn hotel that was right next to this, the, this site. This was like an old school boarding house that the government took over and it was full of people who were basically disturbed. And what I always heard was that when they started shutting down the mental hospitals, there were a lot of people who had no place to go. And the new Llewellyn hotel was one of the places where they'd put them up And these people would legitimately wander up and down Main Street all day, every day. So if you were a kid, I mean, there was a guy who used to throw pennies at the ground and then he'd run up and start screaming at the pennies and pick them up and throw them again. There was a woman who uh, we all called Dirty Toes because she had really dirty feet and walked her up and down Main Street with no shoes. And then she one time spat at this girl Tara and yelled out, I am the snake goddess at her. There was, I mean, just everybody, man. There was a guy, one of the most infamous, there was a guy who used to walk up and down Main Street. Elvis. Dressed as Elvis, pushing a lawnmower. Dressed in like a full-on Elvis costume. This was just a well-known thing. Hey, you want our parents never, <laughs> Our parents never talked to us about the stuff. So you're out there at the Black Mariah. You're also standing on Main Street, which is just like you said, Mike. People drunk at 11.30 a.m., Actually unhinged people wandering by yelling stuff at you. What an insane place to bring kids. It's so much nicer now. It's like, oh, it's condos now. I mean, like, there's lots of like great different, um, I think lots of uh, South and Central American food places over there. Yeah. Like, really awesome. And there's that great hardware store. I used to buy machetes there all the time. 
I bought an axe at the gift shop at the Edison Museum. I don't know why they were selling hatchets there, but I went there like a couple months ago. It was terrible. Everything was closed. Like, well, they they let you walk and look up in through the door from the outside, and like they had just redone everything. Let's talk about some of the other places that you'd be brought as a West Orange kid within West Orange, and some of the some of the more infamous West Orange trips. I know, Mike. You listed some. I, I see you listed the public library on a list here. I also <laughs> remember going on field trips to the public library, which is what a waste. What a bummer as a kid to be like, my. This is the card catalog. My parents take me here twice a month already. What are we doing here? I used to go there all the time because it was right down the street from us. They'd go in there and steal magazines. I was obsessed with, deal, with stealing uh, astronomy magazines and like anything about aliens. <laughs> I've done a lot of things in my life. And. One of the only things that I actually... I returned everything, I swear. I returned everything. Regret and feel bad about is stealing from the West Orange Public Library when I was a kid. Legitimately. Especially because you are the whole point of the institution. Is it's free. Is that you are welcome to go experience it all for free. (laughs) And you assholes still had to take it. I feel like I knew those librarians there like my entire life from being a child, like all the way through high school, like... But warm, warm place in my heart for the West Orange Library. And also a great place to like hang out with homeless people during the day, especially <laughs> if it was raining. Mike, I see you listed. <laughs> I don't remember this. I see you listed that you were taken to a notorious West Orange bagel institution, the Bagel Box, on a class trip. This was the weirdest class trip. And yeah, this, how'd that happen? Did you walk there? I, this must have been a record. We did walk there. I, I took like a, a, a series of, I, I, you know, I, I think now they have a different name, but at the time they were called home ec classes, right? Which was uh. cooking, sewing, child development, right? We actually, <laughs> this is a great, <laughs> I won't go down this tangent, but we actually ran a preschool with real children within the high school. Oh, that's <laughs> I don't right. Know if you yeah, that was that, a big thing. That's right. I forgot that. Yeah. That was like, West Orange was like known for that. Everybody, they people with their kids there for. Yeah, I I worked at a preschool. Yeah, I was. Do you remember when you were on the first floor? Was like, there was always little kids around. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, right around the whole corner. I remember I was angry because one of my projects was to do a presentation on hand washing, and I got a C minus <laughs> because they said the water wasn't hot enough. <laughs> You got a C minus in washing your hands. Yup. Not to, somehow that happened. So, so how does one wind up at the bagel box on a class trip? So we have the, we have this class, and my theory is that the teacher of the class and the owner of the bagel box, which was you know a bagel store adjacent to high school, were good friends, right? And so. We have to sign permission slips and said, oh, we're going to go to the bagel box and we're going to learn about running a small business. So we walk 100 yards from the school into the bagel store where everyone goes to every day. Uh You know, it's not like a, 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 a... it's not a place that was unfamiliar to us. The original bagel box was just the bomb. Yeah, the bagels were great. But we, we went in there and more or less they they put us all you know, made us work for free for two and a half hours. We got there and they're like, oh, do you want to learn how we uh, clean up the store at night? Oh, here, let me show you. Here's a mop and a broom. Oh, you want to know how we mix dough? Yeah, here, carry up these 50-pound sacks of flour. So this group of us are all just going in there working, and I think that's a pretty good level setter for the the type of class trips that we had. And you would always say yes to any class trip because it just meant you didn't have to be in school. Oh, Absolutely. 
I do want to point out one thing that shows completely everything that was backwards and wrong about our town when we grew up there is I remember when I was at Edison Middle School, which has been mentioned on the show before as the, I guess you could say, less preferable option uh, um, um, regard amongst most townspeople. Uh. I remember there was a year where the Roosevelt School trip, uh, you could go to Disney World. And the Edison School trip that year was medieval times. <laughs> Tells you pretty much everything you need to know about how our town functioned. Well, we had like what was our big like middle school trip, like Boston or something? There's always stuff like that with you guys. Let's go to a different oh, state. So terrible. We went to yeah, Boston. We're gonna go to a castle in Lyndhurst and watch dirtbags fight. I think I would have rather gone to a castle in Lyndhurst. I remember they did use it as an excuse to try to teach us about medieval history and we had to draw pictures as an assignment, and every middle school boy it was just like Knights getting their heads chopped off. Like that was just everything. <laughs> and then you bring a bunch of Edison kids there. Think about this. Oh my God. It's like the perfect environment. You, you bring a bunch of Edison kids who are already in the school where there's fights and violence every day. And your class trip is to watch people fight with weapons in a pit. This is everything you need to know about our town. Two men enter, one man leaves. Now, I also have to cop to another <laughs> West Orange institution. There was, a, again, on the other side of the class divide. So when you were a junior or senior in the high school, there were two teachers in the science department who used to run these trips to Europe. And it was a very divisive thing because you needed to have money, obviously, to go to Europe. And not everybody in our school had money. That option. Was that an option? Yeah. You, you look back, you realize that it was kind of fucked up that they even allowed this because 80% of the people in the school were in no position to go. Um, and I hated those kids my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. But I don't know if you guys remember this, but my dad made a bunch of money my senior year of high school. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I went to Italy senior year. I went from hating those kids. And we just went and we all got drunk. I got fucked up in Venice on something called Steubenbrau. And then I remember once the teacher caught us all drink. The two teachers walked by and caught us all t drinking. And they just laughed and kept walking as their 16 and 17-year-olds. They're like, ha, 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 Students got fucked up in a foreign country. Oh, and I'll never forget, we went to Rome. And they brought us into this hotel that was right across the street from one of the biggest train stations in Rome. Oh, God. And, dude, they brought us all into a room. And these hotel workers were like, you guys, seriously, you have to lock your doors at night. Don't forget to put the deadbolts on. They go, we had an incident here. We are required to tell you that these bandits. They probably did that on purpose. Dude, they go, these bandits broke into our hotel and they sprayed people with gas. And the gas, you were like, could still see and hear everything, but you couldn't move. And they stole everybody's stuff. So, you know, lock your doors because you don't want the bandits. Yeah, they probably figure all these touristy kids. Yeah. Yeah, Burundanga, scope of me. What? <laughs> I mean, that's a thing. For real? Yeah. In Italy? Oh my gosh. All over the place. But, I mean, it's pretty common in any heavily touristed city. What well, they just stink up behind you, just spray in the face, and then like just go through your pockets and leave you there. Yeah, they put it in like a banaca bottle. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen videos of that. I think no, it's a real thing. Yeah. 
Oh boy. Yeah, I think like videos, like of like you know, getting caught on video of them doing it to people on the street. I've encountered every weird travel danger and scam you can imagine. But yeah, that's. I'm glad you didn't get gassed in Italy on a school trip. Yeah, yeah, and I do feel bad because I did. I can tell you a seething hatred of the kids who had enough money to go on those trips for my entirety of high school, and then senior year, my parents were like, "Yeah, you know." Father did pretty well this year. I don't remember that ever being an option. That sucks. Yeah. We must have missed out. Did on your that one. brother go on one, Mike? Did Franny go to France or something like that? He did go on one of those those trips. Um, I think if you had French or something, I don't know. Had that work? Yeah, yeah. I he he went on one of those trips. I did not. I I sadly went to uh, Tory Corner. Yes, for, for my high school trips. <laughs> Another Tory Corner. T- quickly tell me about this, Mike. One of the history classes, the field trip was. Oh, we're going to go to Tory Corner. So we'd been learning about the Revolutionary War in seventh or eighth grade, and you know that the, legitimately yeah. that part of New Jersey, almost all of New Jersey actually has like a real revolutionary war history, especially if you dig a tiny bit. Absolutely. So they said, oh, we're going to go to Tory Corner, which is a, a, a corner <laughs> on Main Street in West Orange, where apparently during the Revolutionary War, the, you know, the Tories, the British sympathizers hung out. And the entire class trip was we got on a bus drove to this corner. And when I say corner, it was just a corner. There's nothing there but a corner. There's a little bench that says, basically, this is Tory Corner. Did you go to Jimmy Buffs after that for lunch? <laughs> no, we didn't get to do anything. We drove there. The, this this weird man... Okay, we're going to cross the street now. We're going to go get an Italian hot dog. We, we, they brought 60 kids there on a school bus. We all got out. We're crowded around one park bench on a corner on a regular, you know, downtown Main Street. A weird man from the West Orange Historic Society came, talked for a minute and 40 seconds, left. We got back on the bus and drove to the school. And that was the whole trip. That was it. That was Tory Corner. I wonder how many, how many cars have crashed into the monument there. That's like the real, I'd like to like search the police yeah, of West I Orange. I bet it happens all oh, that's the time. A weekly. <laughs> now, this, I feel like I'm laughing so hard remembering these places. Let's start talking about some of the places we went beyond the border of the town. Mm. Because this is where we're going to get into the uh, listeners going, these are some of the institutions. Yeah. Um, so what do we want to kick things off with here? Um I'm seeing the Paper Mill Playhouse on there. Classic. I've been there too many times. Uh, obviously. I had a bathroom emergency experience there. That was terrible. Every kid gets dragged to there, to the, the daytime matinee when they can't sell any tickets, and all of a sudden you're seeing like some old school Broadway diva who can't get a job on actual Broadway anymore play <laughs> three in the afternoon on a Wednesday. That's a good gig. It is. I mean, <laughs> Is it a union shop? It is. It's an equity shop. It is an equity shop. And it's one of the better <laughs> regional theaters, so I'm not trying to talk too bad. Anyway, Mike D, Green Meadows Farms, talk to me about this. I think all of us have been here. Um, I don't even know. And I'm, I'm pretty certain this still, still exists. Uh, oh, hey, kids, this year the big trip is we're going to go to Green Meadows Farms. And you would sign up and do your permission slip and you thought that you were going to a farm and you would get on a bus and drive somewhere out to actually at the time I thought we were driving to the woods but in my mind now I'm pretty sure we were just driving to Morris County somewhere (laughs) right off the road and you got there and there's no farm there's just a bunch of empty fields 
and they would walk you out and, you know, Farmer Joe and Farmer Jane would be wearing overalls. They'd be like, oh, hey, kids, we're going to have a great day at the farm. And they would walk you. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a hayride. And they would put you on a tractor and it would drive 25 feet and stop. (laughs) And then, okay, now we're going to go see some chickens. And they walk you across this field. And I remember... The, I went on this trip more than once in my life, but the first time I went was when I was in Catholic school in Newark. And so they have us walking across this field, which is not even a field. It's just complete cow shit. So you've got 60 third grade kids that are ankle deep in cow shit. The nuns have like cow shit all over their like weird nun shoes that they wear. I mean, it stinks so bad. It's horrible. We're all like, oh, I think there's something. They're like, it's just mud. And it's like, ah, it's not mud. And they walk us over to, they have one cow and it's in like a little shed. And they're like, okay, kids, there's just one rule. Nobody, nobody walk behind the cow while we milk it. So there's all these kids mobbing the cow. And so, of course, immediately one of my friends walks behind the cow <laughs> and, and, and gets kicked by a cow and goes like flying and uh. everyone starts freaking out. And here's the crazy part is one of my friends growing up, he had a I'm laughing about this because I can't help myself, but it's not it's not funny, people. He had a chest deformity when he was born. Oh. And so in his chest was kind of like the rib cage was caved in. And every year at the beginning of school, when I was in his class, the principal of the school, who was a nun, would come in and say, all right, kids, if anyone gets into a fight with Richie, no one's allowed to punch him in the chest because he has this deformity. He could die. Only punch him in the face if you're going to fight with him. And this is the kid of all the kids on this class trip who gets kicked by a cow. And he goes like flying and everyone's losing their minds. And the nuns are like covered in cow shit and they're running over. And they're like, we have to call an ambulance. And like they're, they're trying to figure out how to call an ambulance. And we're in the middle of this like field in Morris County. I mean, this place was awful. And then all this happens. They take the kid away in an ambulance. We all have some kind of gross sack lunch. We get back on the school bus to drive back to Newark. And can you imagine the smell of 60 kids on a bus who have been standing in cow shit for two and a half hours? I mean, Uh. it was, they probably, when they were, after that trip, they probably dropped us off and just drove the bus directly into the Passaic River. And they were like, sorry, this thing's a (laughs) write-off. Now, Mike, there's one you put on the list where as soon as I saw it, I said, I just burst out laughing because I'm like, every kid in New Jersey probably went here. Got excited when they heard what they were about to see and then was so disappointed. You know, sometimes you'll go into the city, you go to the USS Intrepid. Yeah. But then sometimes you stay in Jersey and this is when you meet the USS Ling. Oh, man. The Port Ling. The Ling. Nick, did you ever go to the Ling? No. I don't even know. Where is that? This is shocking. It is... The Hackensack River. It's in the Hackensack River Yep. Bayonne? Oh, is it still there? I know. Or they it move is it? still there. And oh. it's still there because they can't move it. It's a bar now? It should be a bar. <laughs> it's in Hackensack. So we're living here in Hackensack. It's a it's it's a World War II era submarine that was that volunteers turned into a museum and moored on the Hackensack River. It sucks so bad. It's so little. I was a kid. They're like, you're going to get to go on a real submarine that was in a real war. And we drove all the way out to fucking Hackensack. And we were like, yo, 
like even as fifth graders, we were like, this is sad. It, you're right, Mike, I interrupted. It's tiny. It's dismal looking. And there's nothing to see on it. One, you could only, you know, and, and no disrespect to any submariners who rode this thing across the bottom of the ocean. God bless you for being able to do this. But you could only fit. You're bringing a whole class there and you can only fit like three or four people in a time. I mean, I couldn't even stand up in it when I, whenever I went in, in fourth or fifth grade. And there's nothing to see but a bunch of like wheels, knobs and dials. And it's not like there's a person there who can explain what any of this stuff is to you. I mean, it's like, oh, here's a wheel. Here's a knob. Here's a valve. Like, what does any of this do? Like, there's no no explanation given to you when you go to this thing. It really was so disappointing. Oh, and like, God. we were all kids raised on GI Joe. You tell us we get to go on an actual war submarine. We were thrilled. I was psyched. Nobody was psyched. Nobody walked away happy from that trip. The most New Jersey coda ever for the USS Ling is the the boat is in the Hackensack River. It gets severely damaged and half sinks into the into the Hackensack River. The A bunch of people decide they want to save it. They raise money. They they bring the boat back up out of the water. They fix the hull and the damage. They get it. And they're like, oh, great. We're going to reopen it. Oh. Then within a few months... The land where it's moored is, of course, sold to real estate developers who say, you got to get this thing out of here now. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we'll just tow it and moor it somewhere else. So then they figure out that since they brought the boat there, they built all these bridges over the Hackensack River and they don't maintain the channel. They can't get the boat out. There's no way to get this submarine out oh of there God. because the channel is too shallow <gasps> and now there's too many bridges over it. So, I mean, if I don't know, that's the most New Jersey ending to a f- museum. Nick, you got to raise those bridges, man. I've actually that that whole area along the Hackensack there. They've been raising those bridges through there, like, uh, like recently over the past, like probably five to ten years. So that's actually a thing because that has to be like, I guess, has to be maintained as a navigable waterway. It's all to save the USS Ling. But that water moves. Yeah, it's crazy. As we're talking about this and some of the environments that we're placed in as children in New Jersey on these trips, I also just remembered taking a trip to the Great Falls. Which is amazing. Let me also say this. Everyone should see the Great Falls. It's insane that it's sitting in the middle of Patterson. But let's talk about what it's like to bring busloads of children to the heart of Patterson in the 80s. <laughs> this is, those teachers must have been so scared. Ah, you don't think so, Nick? I don't know. I think they were so used to doing it like every year. It was just like... They knew where, you know, the problems were or whatever. And like, it, they, I don't think you could just show up there unannounced. Like, so I think Patterson had to like know that you were going there that day with like 200 kids. Cause so we should explain like or whatever. the Great Falls. It's, it's legitimately impressive. If I remember right, I think it's the second biggest waterfall on the Eastern seaboard after Niagara Falls. Yeah. And you go and you see it and it's, it's mind blowing, but it's in the, it, Patterson is a tough town. It's got like a lot of heart and I love Patterson, but it is a tough town. And a lot of the areas directly, I mean, there's that abandoned football stadium right on top of the great falls. Like there's abandoned buildings everywhere. And it's a town that's known for like, you can find some rough stuff there. It's a town where, you know, kids will drive in to buy drugs and get out like rough place, not necessarily someplace where you want third and fourth graders 
uh, just on the loose. This is what you deal with in New Jersey. Interesting uh, demographic too. There's a big uh, mixed community of everybody there. So you have a uh, two cultures of like uh, a lot of uh, Muslim families, and then a lot of like you know uh, everybody else. So it's there's but there's a large community there, and there's also you know interesting interesting area that brings about like this you know cultures clashing together in Patterson. Now, there's another place. You've mentioned it before on the show, Mike. I never went, I'm sad to say, but it's one that you maintain as one of the bigger rackets. Talk to me about the Franklin Mines. Oh, you've been there, Nick. I think we've been there together. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're going to take you up to this open pit (laughs) of like just the spoils from the mine from 50 years ago and let you go out there in 85-degree weather. Climb on sharp rocks, and you for like five dollars you can as many rocks as you can carry out. You can take out with you, and like there's a fifty fifty chance that if you put it under a black light, it might glow and look really cool. It was such a racket. You would go there and say, "Oh, we're gonna go to the Franklin Mine," and you know, in my mind, as a kid, when I think of a mine, I think of you know where Scooby Doo is running down tracks into a, a tunnel, and and there and there's all this stuff. But you get to the Franklin Mine, and it's just a giant hole in the ground. And they're okay, kid. Like they say, okay, kids, have fun, have at it. Go go play in this uh this closed down mine, this pit into the ground. And then you 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 run around this pit, and what immediately happens when you put school age children around loose stone? Right? What happens? They're picking them up, throwing them, kicking them. Yeah, a rock fight breaks out. It's it's just an evolutionary thing. So you go there, you have your educational rock fight. (laughs) Then they bring you into they bring you into this this little like shed that they call museum kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. they call it a museum, but you go in there, sort of. Yeah, and you're walking through, and the museum is like, oh, this is a rock, and all the rocks are glowing neon colors. You're like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. There's like rock art in there. There's like rock art. They had this one like room where they turn off the lights and they turn on. And people have created like the clown, like the famous clown picture with like the big poofs and everything like that in rock that glows under black light. Like so a bunch of like crazy shit like that, that kind of like weird 50s rock art. I guess people are actually, (laughs) I forgot the element now that makes those rocks unique in that area. Then you read the plaques on the rock art and then the, the asterisk is like, None of these rocks were taken from the Franklin mine. <laughs> so you're not even seeing rocks that are from the place. Then you look at the rock art and they're like, if anyone's parents have given them extra money, you can pay $5 to pan for gold. And then you pay your $5 and they bring you to like this like wooden homemade like wooden river and they give you like a sieve. And you go through and you can pull out these rocks. They're like, there's actually a real gold in here. And you're panning all these things and they give you a bag and you're allowed to fill up one bag with rocks. And so you get home from the class trip and your parents are like, all right, all right, all right. Bunch of fucking rocks. Right. I paid for you to go on this trip. Then the money I gave you to eat or buy something, you came home with just a bag of stones. Like, where am I going to put these things? Like, that is the best racket ever. Yeah, we sell kids stones. I just remember being there and it being oppressively hot when I was there. It was just like terribly hot. And then inside that museum, they also have like, you get all excited because they're like, oh, this is what the mine looked like. But it's like, it goes in like 10 feet and it looks like a faux mine. And there's like a, you know, a figurine there with like a guy pushing like a fucking 
cart full of rocks and shit. <laughs> and you're like, damn, like, you know, oh, the mine hasn't been operational and you're not going in it. So you just go to the spoils fucking. Did you guys ever hole. go to Lambert Castle? I never went. Patterson? Mm -mm. That place, I went there on at least two school trips. I never understood. It was basically like, here's a house on a hill where rich people used to live. And I guess like theoretically, they're trying to teach kids about like what it was like to be like an old robber baron tycoon and like that way of life. But it's like, first of all, who cares? Second of all, it makes us mad. Like we're we're from a town where, like, I I don't want to see how like rich people lived in the 1890s. And then again, like you said, it, your stories of the Franklin mine remind me so much that it ended in the gift shop, and every kid would go home and they sold us like weird glass bottles, like these little. <laughs> colored glass bottles and they'd be like oh this can be a vase go give it to your mom but it's it was tiny and i remember multiple years just them being like who wants to buy a glass bottle and head home kids it's like no one wants to buy a glass bottle our parents are going to be mad if we come home with more glass bottles <laughs> stop it how many how many of those bottles from that field trip now are filled with cocaine in West Orange people's homes? Oh God! They were about <laughs> they were about the perfect size for cocaine transportation. That that is very true, very true. Let's talk about the relationship because one thing that you do have in New Jersey that most people don't have access to is you can take field trips to New York City to Philadelphia. Like Ooh. this is a, a thing that I think is actually a huge asset of of being a school kid in in. New Jersey, because I mean, both those places have so much history, so much opportunity. I will say, in my experience, not all of these trips ended well, <laughs> and not all of them were organized. They were clearly done on a budget. For example, when I was in fifth grade, you hear that you might take a trip to New York City. Oh, maybe you're going to go to the Guggenheim or the Museum of Natural History, and all the kids get to see the big blue whale. No, no, no. When I was in fifth grade, they took us to see an afternoon performance of the musical Cats. Now and forever. At the Winter Garden now Theater. Now and forever at the Winter Garden <laughs> Theater. They took us to see Cats. It was so fucking weird and confusing. <laughs> Why are we going to Cats? And of course, back then, it's like 1989. It's just, as this bus drives through Times Square, just every fifth grader with their eyes wide, glued to the window, wondering about the chaos unfolding in front of them. It was, you really grew up. You really grew up. Was it a good performance? Uh, I, I just remember people dressed as cats kind of crawling around through the aisles and stuff. And it's like, it's one of those things, like you said, of like, this is a racket where clearly cats has been going on for years they're having trouble selling tickets. So now they're in the afternoon matinee discount tickets for school children phase. They probably cleaned up with that. You know, every like school in the tri-state area is like looking for something to do. So they're like, oh, I'm sure cats. as we talk about it, I'm like, I'm sure there's someone whose job at the cats in the cats production team was just uh. start calling elementary schools, start giving discount tickets to elementary schools. Let's get on the phone pronto. <laughs> Let's extend this production for three more months, baby. We claimed it was now and forever, but the door is closing. So sell tickets to fifth graders. We had a good experience once. I think we, it was like one of the trips to like South street seaport and we we're coming back and it's like, you know, the end of the school year and our bus gets stuck in the Lincoln tunnel for like, Oh my God. I mean like an hour. And everybody's like, put the windows up. And it's like, <laughs> like their exhaust is already in 
the bus and there's like everybody's packed in there and like delusional basically for like 45 minutes until we finally get towed out of the tunnel by like that emergency tow truck that's always like sitting there that you see going in and out all the time (laughs) (laughs) toes the bus have fun and like it's like we have to open the windows the teacher's like don't open the windows we're like we're out of the tunnel it was like i just i remember getting up and just opening the window because i thought i was gonna like pass out but that was always I who whoever thought you'd get stuck in the middle of the Lincoln Tunnel. That would you know that sucked. I was on the bus that made it. The other oh. I was on the bus that didn't get stuck for that trip. Oh. Now, Mike, I see you've listed a trip to Philadelphia that was an overnight trip. Oh, okay. Where you've listed a number of details that make this sound like an actual fiasco. Oh my lord! We, Nick and I were both on that trip. Was it Boston or Philly? We did both. But one that was. Philly was the really crazy one because, yeah. but I mean, I remember we went on Boston and that was a fun, a fun trip, but we went to Philly and I remember it being complete chaos. The first thing I remember is they dropped us off somewhere on South street and they were like, everyone explore South street for two hours. We're seventh graders <laughs> and we're dropped off in Philadelphia. I remember the the first thing we did was a couple of us wandered as far away from South Street as possible, and we went into a pawn shop, and they had guns. And this one kid we were with was like, how much is that gun? And the guy's like, I don't know, $40. And he's like, all right, I'll take it. And the guy's like, you have ID? You have to be 18? He's like, I don't have ID, but I'm 18. And the guy's like, I don't know. You don't really look 18. It's like, we're 12. And that was the first experience of Philly is almost buying a firearm at a pawn shop in, in Philadelphia. And no teachers, no supervision um, whatsoever. And before the, cl- the the trip even started, you know, you have to get there real early. We're all like in front of the school at six in the morning. And this girl from our school comes up and her face is bloody. Her skin is peeling off her face. And she was somebody that at least I personally like liked and was friends with. Everyone's like, oh, my God, like what what happened? Are you okay?" She's like, I fell asleep in front of a tanning lamp last night. Like I wanted to have like a nice tan for the trip. And I fell asleep in front of it for like five hours. And. She clearly needed to go to the hospital and was like her skin was literally peeling off in sheets and everyone's like, oh, OK, everybody get on the bus. And they just let this poor girl who needed hospitalization get on the bus and take this trip with us the whole time. And the whole weekend, her face is just getting like progressively like more bloody and more infected the whole trip. And, you know, the teachers are doing whatever teachers do on overnight class trips. God only knows. Um, and, and this was so unsupervised. We also... We went to the Betsy Ross house, and I remember, oh, um, uh, remember awesome. that a low scale riot broke out. Yeah, and we like, I mean, I feel real bad about this. I like Betsy, but we basically like trashed the Betsy Ross house. Somebody like stamped in the cellar door, and people were knocking over the furniture. And if you've ever it's been t- there, it's a tiny little <laughs> narrow Philadelphia row house that that we just rampaged through and and destroyed. I don't know why they allow us to leave the state. I'm shocked that places in New York and Philly accept New Jersey schools and their students into these environments. It's a racket. They need the money. They absolutely do. Um, This episode, we're already 50 minutes in. And I'm telling you, there's like a solid 10 things on this outline that we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, I do feel like I want to grab a little focus because I took a couple classes at Rutgers 
And you might be hearing Rutgers College. <laughs> do you really have field trips? Yes, you do. Um, Mike, when I discovered these classes, do you remember the frenzy of all of our friends' disbelief? And then one of them actually signed up with me. Do you remember this? I remember severe pangs of jealousy because you had figured out a way to earn three college credits for a class which lasted one day. Well, or, or sorry, there was a, two installments of one day. Yes. Uh, so I was an American studies major at Rutgers. This choice was made largely what because I wanted to. What the fuck is that? Was that like you're, you could be a history major, so you're just American study major? Dude, it's exactly that. It's awesome. like if you don't want to be an American literature major or American history major, it's kind of a blend of both, ah, but easier than both. Nice. I found this loophole. Part of why I did it was... I'd taken a bunch of history classes because I've always liked history, but I, I was realizing I don't want to be a history major. But then I realized that you could you could have American history classes count towards American studies as a major, but still count towards your minor. So I realized I was able to take five classes that counted towards both and therefore just eliminate the need to actually have a minor because it all counted towards my major anyway. And all the classes were insane, Nick. I was taking classes... On P.T. Barnum. Oh, that's awesome. I took a class called Murder in America. I took a class called Cults and Communes. I took a summer class oh. called The Cowboy and Fiction and Film, where one of the films we watched was Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan. This was in a college class. It was insane. Jeez. So I was having a lot of fun finding the craziest um, classes to take and kind of get through college because I wanted to just get out. So I was taking summer classes because I'd take one or two classes a summer. My idea going, maybe I can get out a semester early. It wound up not happening, but that was the idea. And I realized there were these summer classes called Urban Adventure and Maritime Adventure. Nice. And each one was 1.5 credits and you'd go on three field trips, three Saturdays in a row, you'd take a field trip and then you had to write a paper and that was it. Oh, so that was the class. And the only, I think you had to write a paper and give like an uh, oral presentation. And that was the one actual day of class. So urban adventure, one of them, they took us to New York and we walked around a little bit. They showed us the graveyard at Trinity church and then told us to meet back at the bus in like two hours. <laughs> we went to Philly and they dropped us at one end of South Street and said, okay, you have to get to the other end of South Street by X time. And they acted like that was an assignment. It was like, they we're just going to walk around and like eat food and go shopping. <laughs> and then maritime adventure. By that time, the, I had discovered these classes. All of our friends were like, how do I get in on this? And Sean managed to register for the back half of nice. the maritime adventure. <laughs> and Sean's our friend. His name hasn't come up too often on the show, but just like the nicest, funniest guy who always quietly could find himself in a good, ridiculous situation. So as he and I... <laughs> First thing I'll mention is that he and I, sadly, I look back on this, I'm not proud. The professor's name was Angus Gillespie, and he's actually a really great guy and a great teacher, but for some reason we found it so funny to bully him. So anytime <laughs> we were on these buses on these field trips and we passed a rest stop that had a Roy Rogers, either Sean and I, mostly to just like make each other laugh and see who was going to do it louder, would yell, yo, Gillespie, Pull over and get me a fucking bacon cheeseburger. We were just bullying the professor from the bus. 
and getting college credits for us. Maritime Adventure, they took us to the Coast Guard station at Sandy Hook. Cool. And most of the trip was just we ate at the mess hall at the Coast Guard station. <laughs> they took us to the uh, Port Nork Elizabeth where we went to that church. I think I've told you guys that story already about that that church where the whole church exists just so that Portuguese sailors wouldn't get um, robbed by, by local ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> and then they took us to this one place where it was this old guy named Jim and he was obsessed with the Morris Canal. Mm. And it was actually really cool because he lived out in Phillipsburg, I think. Yeah. Which I think was a big stop on the Morris Canal back in the day. And he owned, his house included this property. He bought it, one of those old inclined planes, which the Morris Canal, that was like the big feat of engineering was there to get up mountains. They built these concrete planes and the, the, the boats would get hooked into this pulley system and dragged up the side of a mountain and then placed back in the canal. This guy bought one and restored it. And he was this old man who loved the Morris Canal. And we were going to go see the Morris Canal. So this is one where I was like, that actually sounds interesting. So we're on the bus on the way there. And the professor goes, so guys, look, um, I know we've talked about this trip, but you know we've been doing this class for years and we always stop by. And you know it's usually Jim and his wife and they've like been spent like 40 years together restoring this canal and this inclined plane. And uh, a few days ago, I got very sad news that Jim's wife has passed away. Oh, geez. And like I said, they were married for decades, so he might be a little out of it. And uh, we drive up there. Not only is this guy like a recent widower, but he's been living in this bucolic area for decades. And all of a sudden you can see like, there's the Kmart, there's the Target, yeah. there's the Taco Bell, like just encroaching on this land that he's in. And it was just a sad, <laughs> shell-shocked old man oh. walking us inside the inner workings of this like lock station on a canal and just kind of mumbling stuff and then staring off into the distance. Man, I want to go see that. I wonder if it's still there. I'm sure there's a... Wonder if- I'm sure it has to be there. Was it a lock or was it actually like a... It was one of those inclined planes. Nick, you would love it. It was like a feat of engineering. Because when I was a kid, I mean, even my grandparents had their house in like Rockaway and in the woods that I used to play in was the remnants of the old like Morris Canal parts of it. And we ran every... You know what I mean? Like, And the big thing was I would go down and find big chunks of coal. I guess when they used to pull the barges through full of uh, coal, like a lot of coal would fall off. So part of it was like a dry bed, but it would still have like the trails that the, I guess they'd use donkeys and stuff to pull the old barges down. And I'd find coal and I would bring tons of coal back up to my grandparents' house. And like, you know, they would entertain me and allow me to burn like coal and like, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It was just one of those things. But yeah, the Morris Canal is everywhere. Now you guys are going to, here's a little bit of a happy ending. So there's a place called the Morris Canal Greenway. Plane Nine West, because that was the inclined plane. The end uh, now is the home of the Jim and Mary Lee Museum. Oh, good! Somebody like preserved it. The site of the former home of the late James S. Lee. That was the guy who I went and saw. Nice. Located on this is some very Warren County stuff right here. It's located on Route mm. Five One Five Nineteen, half a mile south of the Route Fifty Seven intersection, east of Phillipsburg. Okay. That is that is a very. Uh, it's in. St- Stewartsville. It's attached to the back of a Whole Foods. Oh my God. And uh, Plane 9 West is the longest inclined plane on the canal, about 1,600 feet, highest change in elevation, 100 feet. Okay. 
And this guy, James Lee, restored the whole thing. I got to look at that. Good guy. Passed away. I got college credit for that. Death and taxes, man. Death and taxes. I got college credit for doing that, for going and seeing a sad man. Well, look, we, uh, we're coming up on an hour. I wonder how you guys are feeling. Is there anything else uh, jumping out that you really want to get on record? I think I want to just shout out my favorite uh, class trip that I ever had. Mm-hmm. When I was in, in third grade, we were very excited to be informed that we were going to go on a class trip to Dickie D's, the famous Newark Italian (laughs) hot dog place. And we were going to go to Dickie D's and learn how they make Italian hot dogs. So we didn't have to take a bus. We could walk from our school, St. Francis Xavier on Bloomfield (laughs) Avenue in Newark to, to Dickie D's. And we, our whole, you know, third grade class, we walk over to Dickie D's and a man who I'm assuming is not Dickie D, I don't know if there actually is a, a Dickie D, gives us an in-depth lesson about the creation of Italian hot dogs. And he talks about wow. where they get the bread from, the right way that you slice the bread. He talks about how, you know, different places do it differently, but this is how we cook the peppers yeah. this way. We cook the onions separately from the hot dogs and the peppers. Huh. And the whole time we're in Dickie D's and he's cooking up this good food and he's explaining everything. And I'm acting like real big man on campus because my picture is hanging in Dickie D's because I was a member of the Dickie D's <laughs> North Little League Championship <laughs> baseball team. So they sponsor our team and I'm like, yeah, it's my picture hanging up there. So, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to like stand next to my own picture in Dickie D so people can see that it's me. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's me. Championship, uh, Newark Little League uh, baseball championship. So we're going through this whole thing and the guys at Dickie D's are great and they show us everything at the end. They're like, okay, now we've cooked it all up. Everybody, you know, it's time to, to have your own Dickie D's. And I've been to Dickie D's before. I grew up going there. And I think you know, a more it, it's it's similar to Jimmy Buffs, like a real Newark Italian style hot dog. So I'm excited. I'm like, oh man, I'm ready. I'm ready for this Dickie D's sandwich. I'm waiting for him to hand me a nice pizza roll. So then they come out with a tray, and the tray is one <laughs> tiny slice of hot dog on a toothpick, and there's about forty of them, and we're each given one piece <laughs> of hot dog on a toothpick, and that's it. That was like my best class trip, but also my most disappointing. Because at the end, I expected to be handed a Dickie D's Italian hot dog, and I was handed a toothpick with one piece of hot dog on it. That's garbage. Nick, any uh, any favorite class trips? I have this like a really young memory of growing up in West Orange and going to the Crane House. And it was like really cold, and you go to the Crane House, and I think it was the first time I'd ever been there. It's like right on the border of West Orange and Montclair. And... Um, they still, I at the time, they always had a horse out there in a the little green pasture. Now they, there's another horse there where there was when I was still living there a few years ago. But um, a revolutionary home, um, they would have like, you know, somebody dresses like George Washington in there. And I think we were like maybe in first or second grade. And we go to the back, which is like my most fond like food memory of the, of I don't know, just of being a kid. And there's all these ladies dressed in like revolutionary garb in like the kitchen and they're running this, the kitchen like they would with like, you know, coals and wood. And it was fantastic. And they're making breakfast for everybody. And each one of us got like, they would like 
perfectly like cook roasted the the breakfast sausage like on the fire like with all the stuff that they were actually used to cook and they'd give you like sausage a piece of egg that they were like scrambling the eggs over the fires it was like fantastic with like this fresh biscuits that they just made and i just remember it was like a cold day and like everybody was like we were all like little kids in there eating this sausage and uh cheese sausage and egg biscuit and um like i always had this like fond association with that ever since and when i lived in montclair i used to go over to that that uh same crane house as an adult and they go hang out with a horse and like you're allowed to like give him carrots and stuff like that but that's my strange uh associated to a great child field trip was eating a sausage and egg biscuit from the crane house i want to talk about an organization <laughs> that i was a part of president of the western chapter of the junior statesman of america Ooh. which was a ostensibly a debate club uh and right, right, right. they did three field trips a year, fall state, winter state, spring state, each designed to look at a different aspect of like politics. Fall state was all debating. Winter state was kind of like a model Congress type thing. You tried to get bills passed. And then spring state was elections to see who would become the leaders of like the region the next year. So Whoa. all the North Jersey's high schools would be there. And, um, you know, you'd meet kids, kids were sneaking in booze, kids were hooking up, like you're all in a hotel, all the stuff you'd expect. Um, I was, I was very nerdy and actually into the debate club aspects of it. So I was a good boy, mostly. But there's a thing that I think you guys will love hearing. And this is a story that I'm fairly certain you all have not heard because it's like, <laughs> I remember like, do you remember when you're young? No. And you feel a level, like when you, Not at all. when you level up on the level of humiliation you have now felt in your life, you know, and it's just that like burning in your core, you realize you just did something more <laughs> embarrassing than you have thus far done in life. And I can tell you that surrealness of the moment of like, am I actually in my body? Is this happening to now, me? Now I'm going to tell you, yes, that this is something so humiliating to me that I remember crouching on the bus afterwards by myself, Mrs. Dodds, who, who ran, was like this liaison telling me, you go get on the bus, wait for everybody else. And it's not, I'm not even the one most humiliated. It's our friend Strange Cat. Oh no. Who's the most humiliated? Who's just a ridiculous human being. And who was also a big fan of everything that we're doing in New Jersey of the world. Like has messaged me. So I know he's listening. And he's probably sitting there going, oh. Don't tell us. I don't want to relive this. So one of the things about the junior statesman was a lot of times like like friends of mine would join it right at the tail end if specifically if they needed something for their college resume, you know, you turn it in your application. So I was in the junior statesman in America. They'd just come on one of these field trips and then say I was in the, I, I was part of this debate club. They're like, Oh, I can go to hotels, get fucked up and claim this thing. Great. So I'll say his real first name, Steve, cause it factors into the story. So Steve's there, strange cats there go into this thing, spring state, which again, he's only coming to get it on his college application. It's his junior year. <laughs> But for some reason, when he realizes there's these elections for the regional positions, he gets real swept up in the moment and kind of on the spot without planning it at all, decides he's going to run for vice mayor of the North Jersey Junior Statesman of America. 
Aim high. You do vice mayor, mayor, lieutenant governor, or governor. He aims for vice mayor of whatever region West Orange falls into. And he's getting real caught up in it. And again, to be clear, it's a club he's not a part of, doesn't really know how it works. And he asks me to be his campaign manager. And we have this weekend to come up with a campaign. Oh, God. And he has to give a speech pitching himself, at which point all the people from all the different high schools around us will vote, boys and girls. It's like hundreds of people. Hundreds of people in a hotel ballroom. <laughs> and again, kids from. Oh, my God. I mean, you all name an out in North Jersey town and they're there. And maybe it was all of New Jersey. It may have just been. Literally high school all over New Jersey. I should do like a where are they now of all those people. Dude, there's people who spend all year going, I'm going to run for this thing and plan how to get other high school kids to vote for me. Oh my gosh. How do I split the difference between the kids who are really serious and the kids who are more blasé? Like Steve is like, fuck it, I'll run for vice mayor. I can win. Fuck these kids, you know? (laughs) Here is what Steve comes up with. He goes to give a speech in front of hundreds of his peers. This is like panic actually washing back over me right now. And he convinces me to crouch under the dais with a microphone as he stands at it. What? <laughs> no. What? And the entire... What was he, like Muppet Steve? <laughs> just move your mouth up and down. No, it's worse than I'll that. I'll just say stuff. It's so much worse than that. It's so much worse than that. Vote for me! I can't Free be- soda machines in every school! You can't come up with something actually more humiliating than what we did, which was he had me crouch under the dais, and he walked up. His name was introduced, and he walked up. And we really thought this was going to like make people die of laughter and vote for him. I, in a microphone while crouching underneath the dais, sang the words. (laughs) I can't even get through it. Oh my God. (laughs) I sang the words. (laughs) Attention, all communists. Attention all communists, please beware. Cause Steve is the one with the poofy hair. <laughs> <laughs> at which point This seemed like a great idea. At which point he <laughs> raised his hands up with a big grin on his face and went, That's me. And that was it. That was his whole speech. What was the reaction? <laughs> Were people like dumbfounded? Silence followed by cheers, <laughs> mockery, and scorn from hundreds of high school kids. Why did you have to hide under the dais to do that? He wanted it to be like, I don't know why he wanted it to be like some sort of big surprise. He wanted it to be like, let's get this guy. Because a lot of these kids spent three or four years and going and all knew each other, you know? They're like super serious. A lot of them super serious, man, showing up in suits. So he was like, none of them know me. So let me be like this really (laughs) hilarious, funny guy who comes out of nowhere with this like bit. So I just want them to walk up and they don't know who I am. And then they hear this disembodied voice. 
and I'll just like make them all die laughing. And the way he did that was just me on a microphone hidden going, attention all communists, please beware, because Steve is the one with the poofy hair. At which point he leaned into his own mic and went, that's me. <laughs> and that was it? That was it. Oh, and then Lord. he dude, was met with silence and just kind of walked off and I had to climb out from under a dais. And he and I both had to wander off. And then as kids realized that was it, just hundreds of other high school kids booing us and laughing at us. It was shameful. <clears throat> what would it take to get you and Steve to reenact that as adults? I mean, we have to interview him after this to see if he remembers this. I'm, I'm, I hope that story plays funny to other people who weren't there because I actually have tears streaming down my face and I'll never forget the history teacher and the thing coming up to both of us and going like, you two, you're done. <laughs> You're not staying the end of the day. Go sit on the bus. No. Go sit on the bus. The rest of us will be there soon. What? And me and Steve just sitting there in silence of just like, what did we do? Like, what did we do? What did we just do? Was there do? fallout? No fallout? No real fallout because what's going to happen? But that, it was probably like a solid 40 to 60 minutes of us sitting on a bus, just the two of us. <laughs> and I mean, you guys know, like Steve and I were friends. Like we were part of the same crew. We were tight. Just sitting in silence of just like, what did we do? <laughs> Why did we think that was a good idea? It was probably better that you weren't roaming around where everybody just saw you be like humiliated. Oh so. my God. I also blame, you know, I mean, no offense, but the kind of kids that were in JSA were the kind of kids that I hated. Yeah. I quit my senior year because I started to realize that it was like so dorky. Well, it's like they were kids who wanted to be politicians. Like who wants to be a politician when you're a teenager? Yeah. Like there's something wrong, wrong with you. And we heard they're just, they're like still, they might still be like young and idealistic. Yeah. Yeah, but we also know how legitimately funny the strange cat is. Legitimate. So I imagine this was embarrassing to the two of you, but yeah. I bet it was extremely funny. It's funny to me now. Oh my God. Like, I got, I have not talked to him about that in years, but. I got to get touch, in touch with him immediately and see if he'll come on and do, maybe we'll do like a mini, like, like 10 minute episode of him recounting this from his perspective. Cause I feel so humiliated right now at the age of 40, just thinking about it. And it wasn't even my face attached to it. He didn't even really have poofy hair. At least you were hiding underneath the uh, oh, podium. There. I wish I could have stayed there forever. How weird was it when you got out from underneath there? <laughs> Just <laughs> you're like we are like when do I when, when do I come out from behind here like, like after everybody's staring at you like how does that how does that happen like where are you like, like how did you crawl out well you have to like, keep okay, in mind he where that guy just come from you like, have to keep in mind I think he probably had five maybe even ten minutes to give the speech oh, so he, and he just left oh so he God. walks up there no one knows this human being he's standing there staring straight ahead. I sing that song and then he yells, that's me. And then I crawl out from under a table and he and I just walk off. We thought this was going to be like fucking George Carlin. man. We thought this was going to be like Richard Pryor on the Sunset Strip levels of people understanding how hilarious we were. Oh, God. And instead it was just tumbleweeds and jeers. And oh, my God, am I happy to be reliving it right now. All right, we got to end this one somehow. Here's what I'm thinking. You guys tell me, what's the worst, like, 
Is it the Franklin mine that stands out? That stands out to me as the story of maybe, I just looked it up. The USS Ling is closed. I think what we should do is pull out the old random number generator that we've used before, one through three. And whoever loses has to go on one of these trips by themselves in 2021 in their 40s. Oh, I'll go. I'll make a suggestion of the punishment trip. I'll go all of them. What if the punishment trip is to the Grover Cleveland birthplace? Oh, I've been. As have I. And it is. How did we not even talk about it? It is the bottom of the barrel. We didn't talk about it (laughs) because there's so little to talk about. Like, oh, here's a room. Okay, trip's over. Grover Cleveland, only president born in New Jersey. His house is, I think it's in West Caldwell off of Bloomfield Ave. Yeah. They preserved his house. And the only thing, it's so boring. <sighs> and the only thing I remember is they have a slice of Dolly Madison's wedding cake. Ooh. Not eaten. But what the fuck does Dolly Madison even have to do with Grover Cleveland? It's like social status. I don't she know. haunts the White House Rose Garden, so it's said. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> they should have her cake True. there because it got nothing to do it with Grover nothing Cleveland. nothing to do with New Jersey. So, I love that, Mike. Loser has to go by themselves to the Grover Cleveland birthplace house. Notoriously a boring place. And, oh, the idea, if I have to fucking go to the Grover Cleveland house by myself. Dressed as Grover Cleveland. Oh, my God. But to talk to the person who's going to give that tour and pretend to be interested for that hour of my life. Okay. Those things always get me into trouble. How should we do it? It's a fantastic idea, Mike. I'm calling up the random John run random number generator right now. Nick, what what number would you like? Eight. It's be, has to be between one and three, Nick. Ah, oh. it's three of us. Three, three. Okay, Nick calls three. Three. Mike, what number are you calling? I'm gonna go with my lucky two. Hit him with the two piece. So I'm number one. And are we saying? Oh. We spin it once. If it lands on your number, you're going to the Grover Cleveland house. <laughs> That's it. One shot. So it's purely a game of chance. There's not like any type of human element to this. I think it's just roll the dice. If it hits your number, you lose. And then the other two, because it's right there in West Caldwell, the other two of us can... Uh, we can meet for lunch go somewhere. To like Calandra's, one of those Calandra's to, restaurants. We maybe? can go to Monk's Castle. We can go to the Ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. go to the band. There's so many good places over there. Going out to the Pilgrim Diner. Is the Pilgrim Diner still there? Closed. I'm not eating there anymore. I oh, refuse to eat there. Did it really close? Yeah. Get out of here. It was the last time. I think it's been closed a while. That was not a very good... That place, like... Yeah, yeah. That was... It used to be great and just sucked. And they used to have that... There's a terrible waiter that was there for years. And he was an asshole. <laughs> You're the Chinese food place <laughs> always, that you discovered, uh, Chengdu One. Yeah, Chengdu One. That place was five stars right across the street. Why would you go to the Pilgrim when you could go to Chengdu? Is that still there? No. I once got in a fist fight in the parking lot of that park because there was a blockbuster across from the Pil- Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. I once got in a fight with a guy where I hit him. I whipped him with a wire hanger. I used to buy Christmas trees right in that. You know where those weird garages were built into the mountain over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to buy great fucking Christmas trees there like every year when I lived in Montclair. Is that the place that had Firewood Mountain once a year? Where all of a sudden there'd just be like an actual 30-foot high mountain? Of- that's down That's down the street a little bit on, on 23 there. Yeah. That's where our family got our wood. They, those guys would deliver wood like every year to us. I, always, I, always, I look back, I realize, oh, that, it's always when it felt like the Christmas season to me when Firewood Mountain would show up alongside Route 23. Yeah. Okay, if it hits one, I'm going on the sad, boring tour. <laughs> two, it's Mike D. Three, it's Bonaduce. The other two of us will go and get really good food and the other person will miss out. Mm. 
And uh, there's so much good to eat over there. Make it happen. Okay. Beep, 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 no whammies. No whammies. Who wants to say stop? Oh, shit. Who's going to say it? Stop. Mike D, you're number two. You will be attending the Grover Cleveland House Tour all by yourself while Nick and I find the finest restaurant. Since you don't drive, I'll drop you off there and then I'll pick you up afterwards and then we'll go eat. I think I can walk there from my mom's house. Nice. You go, you look at Dolly Madison's wedding cake. Nick and I will meticulously research what's the best place in that West Essex area right now. We'll go and eat there. Oh, I don't know. There's probably lots of good stuff up there. Man, every time I go to a second-rate historic site by myself, I end up in some kind of trouble. Can't wait to see how this, this one is, ends. So, this, is, this has happened time and time again. We'll show up. You'll be like bloody. <laughs> you'll be bleeding from your nose with two black eyes coming out of the Grover Cleveland House. Like, what the fuck happened? It's the Grover Cleveland House. It's something like that. Someday we'll talk about the time I visited the Emily Dickinson House. Oh, I can't imagine. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This was a real trip down memory lane. And again, 973-780-4660. Remind us of the places we missed. North Jersey, Central Jersey. We desperately want to hear yours. South Jersey, what are the places everybody went to that everybody knows? Thanks for listening. Have a great one. And attention, all you communists. You better beware. Because Steve is the one with the poofy hair. Oh, my God. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, including just the cringeworthy disaster of my tangent with the strange cat communist stuff. Oh, I hate reliving that. Thanks so much to everybody who's joined the Patreon. Thanks to everybody who's buying t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash chrisgethard. And thanks to everybody who came out to our Asby Park shows. Even the animals at the second show who booed me off stage. That is true. The show ended with me being booed off stage for calling Taylor Ham, Taylor Ham. And what the crowd didn't know was that happened shortly after midnight, so it was my birthday. I started this year of my life by being mercilessly booed off stage by a bunch of super drunk Asbury Park punk rockers. You guys are the best. Looking forward to more live shows, looking forward to more episodes, looking forward to shooting the shit and talking with y'all on the Patreon.